0: Will everyone please rise for the reading of God's word? Luke 14, verse 25 through 35. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for today and for all of the incredible blessings that you always give us. I ask that you'll bless the sermon and that you'll open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Selena is one of our junior high leaders and uh, helps to lead our 8th grade girls small group. Uh, if you are in junior high or high school, we got some awesome stuff going on on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings for you. Uh, but hey, I'm Pastor Drew. I am the youth pastor here. And uh, before we get started with the message, uh, I need a couple volunteers real quick. Can I need a couple volunteers? Awesome. Just stand up. Just stand real easy. Just stand up where you're at. One more. One more volunteer, anybody else? There we go, awesome, right over here. Okay, uh, I need to, we're gonna do an illustration, a little practice on pain tolerance. And, uh, so, no, 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 you can sit down. We aren't gonna tase anybody, we aren't tasing anybody. Hold on, I need to give this to someone responsible, responsible, over here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. What just happened is I, I think what it would have probably felt like to be a follower of Jesus during this passage where you're like, Hey, I'm so, so Jesus following Jesus is starting to become kind of a popular thing. And you see this great crowd coming and they're all following him and they're figuring it out. And, uh, and then kind of like our volunteers, they realize, oh, oh shoot, I think I may have got in something that's a little more serious than I initially intended. Right. And, uh, and, and and that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, watch out. This is, I want you to count the costs. I want you to look at this. I want you to actually think about what you are, what what you're doing, what this means. And uh, he said, and this is his answer to popular Christianity, that the cost of following Jesus is always worth it it's always worth it. In Eminate, we're just finishing up a series called Worth It, talking about this same exact thing. I love when God is, is doing the same thing on Sunday mornings that he's doing in, uh, on Sunday mornings in junior high and in high school on Wednesday nights. And uh, this, is, this is really where Jesus starts here. He says, he turns, and all these people are following him. And he turns around and he says, if you want to be my disciple... Now, in order for us to understand this passage, we have to understand what disciple means because a disciple in, uh, in, in our world is mostly a church term. Right. It's mostly something that you hear in the church, not really a ton elsewhere here. This was a very normal term that was used often for uh, followers. And and there's three three key characteristics of a disciple Uh, being a disciple consists of it, it, it is perceptive. Which is, uh, the, the first thing. It is this idea of, I'm gonna perceive it, I'm gonna understand it, I'm gonna learn it. It's an intellectual thing first. It is a learning, I am going to study, I'm going to grow, I'm going to understand this. So it is, it's an understanding, and then it's, but not just for the sake of knowledge, it's for the sake of practice. So it's perceptive and it's practical. It is practical. It is not like I'm going to study this to, to learn what this means. It is I'm going to study this so I can do it. Like looking up videos and studying things about how to throw a football or swing a bat or something like that. Your goal is not just to learn how learn what it is, but to learn how to do it. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to learn how to practice this. Uh, so it's perceptive, practical, and then Personal. This is the key difference between discipleship and being a student of something. You cannot be a disciple of an idea. You don't say, I want to be a disciple of generosity. And so I'm going to learn from over here, and I'm going to learn from you, and I'm going to learn from you, and I'm going to Google search some things, and I'm going to figure out what generosity is. That's That you may be a student of that. You may be learning that. But a disciple doesn't follow an idea. A disciple follows a person. And, and so the goal of a disciple is not learning what it means to be generous, but learning what it means to be Jesus. And, uh, and, and so this is where we get the definition that we have. We can pull that up. A disciple is a student who follows their master. The, uh, if, if you look at it, the disciple, the person who leads the disciple is the master, not just a teacher. There's a subordination that goes on, uh, between the master and the disciple, uh, with the intent of becoming like them. And so most disciples will pick up mannerisms and quirks and words and teachings and preferences and things like that, that their, that their master also has. And, uh, and, and so this is why the disciples, why, why Peter was so easily recognized as one of Jesus' disciples. Right, because they're like, whoa, 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 you sound like him, you talk like him, you look like him, you t- you, you you're, you're doing all the same thing. You you have to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Because he had started to look. Like G- he started to become like Jesus, and that's our goal. Our goal is not to be a Christian, to be a church goer, to be someone with a title of "Oh, I, I this is my faith belief, this is where I stand." And it is, I am a follower. My goal is to be a disciple, to become like Jesus, to become like Him, and that's our goal. Uh, that's what a disciple is. But there are three keys to discipleship. And the first key is salvation. And key number one is salvation. And uh this is this is where it all starts. Romans ten nine says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And uh what this means, a lot of times we, we go to this passage for look. This is, it's so easy. And yes, it is. It is simple to follow Jesus, to come into, into to, to obey, fall under the gospel, and to become a disciple. Yet, a lot of times we misinterpret this. A lot of times we understand this passage because it, it all revolves around the phrase, Jesus is Lord. It is an open, it's an external and an internal thing that of, of this, this phrase, Jesus is Lord. And what it's saying is not what most of us think that is saying Jesus is the Lord. It's not saying Jesus is the Lord, because even the demons recognize that Jesus is the Lord. He has authority. He has power. He is victorious. We They recognize that. We can recognize that, and that's different. What this is saying is, declare that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord, which means he's my master. He's the one who I follow. And so therefore I change. Wherever he says, I do it. Whatever he asks me to speak, I'll speak it. Wherever he asks me to go, I'm going there. He's my master. He is my Lord. And that's what, that's what this is. It's a discipleship thing. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's explaining this, this Jesus is Lord idea. And so that's this difficult simplicity Of salvation. It's so simple, right? It's so simple, but it's not always easy. It's so simple, but it's not always easy. Uh, it, It is this relationship between discipleship and salvation. It's a lot like a wedding. So, uh, it is this. Some of you may be here and just exploring and, uh, figuring out this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing. And, and it's kind of like in, in a relationship when you're dating, and you're like, I kind of want to discover this. I want to find out who this person is. I want to get to know them a little bit better. I want to see if they're marriage material. And, uh, is, is this something I want to commit to? And, uh, then later you go, yeah, you know what? I think it is. And, uh, I, I want to get engaged. I want to look at doing this. And, and you may make this same decision here of going, yeah, I think, I think this is something I want to commit to. I'm going to start, start counting the costs and I'm going to start. And then the wedding. And then the wedding is the, the time where it's all, it's all finished. It comes together. It's official. And you go, you come up to the altar and you're like, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to start serving on a team. Like this is the, I'm all in, I'm here. And in uh, and a lot of times, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a couple. I've seen uh, young couples who do this, who who get this idea that the the wedding is the culmination of the relationship and 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 have no clue and, and, and aren't thinking about it in the sense of that's not the culmination. That's just the start. Right. That's just that. That's just the it's like a transition in the relationship. You're not dating. You're not engaged. You're married now. And so many times we do the same thing with salvation. We say, guys, salvation is the end goal. So your, your, your job, your goal is to get saved. You want to, and, and, and that's where you want to end up. If you're saved, awesome. You love Jesus. You've given your life to him. High five. Congratulations. That's awesome. Go home, have a snack, enjoy your time, right? But this is, this is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying just like a wedding Salvation is just the start of discipleship. Salvation is, is, is the inauguration of discipleship. And, and, uh, and, and he says, are you ready? Because now we're going on the journey. Now we're going on the journey. And that's salvation. Uh, and, and this is where you got to count the cost. We'll talk more about this in a second. But consider this. Every one of these people in this crowd could see Jesus. Everyone could hear him. Everyone there was following him, yet not everyone knew him. And so when he, when, when, when he said, follow me, there's going to be a cost, but it's going to be worth it. The disciples, those who knew him go, yeah, yes, I know Jesus. And so I know that it is so, whatever it could be, it is so worth it. And those who didn't, Maybe raising the question, and the same applies today. Some of you may go man i don 't know this is, this is some big boy stuff that jesus is is, is challenging us in, right. This is some really difficult, uh, some, and, and we're going to get into some of these things. What is he saying? How is he challenging us? And uh, and it, it's hard. It is it is difficult stuff. It's stuff that you got to wrestle with. And 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 then I go, man, I'm not. I'm really not doing well in this, and I really need to work on this. And and and, and I'm looking at, at myself as well. But you, you got to see if you know him. Man, it's so worth it. Whatever, whatever it is, wherever it leads, he's worth it. He is so worth it. And so that is salvation. The second key to discipleship is surrender. And this, Jesus says, uh, Jesus starts getting, starts with crazy talk here. And this is, this is nuts. What he starts saying, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And this is, this is difficult because not only is he saying you, you, you have to hate your family, he's saying you have to hate your identity because in this, in this culture, your family was who you are. If you were disowned from your family, you had no identity. You had no place. You had no place of belonging. You had no, no, no place where, where you were you had no identity and so and so he's saying i want you to hate all the things that you identify with i want you to hate all the things that are your sense of belonging i want to hate you all the things that 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 you say this is my job whether it's my family whether it's my this i want you to to look to love me so much that all those other things it looks like you hate them in comparison what does this look like? This is this is a crazy challenge, and and how what does this actually look like? Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a mission trip that I went on earlier this year in March, and it was to Istanbul, and there uh, I've always I've, I've never had the problem of laying down my life for the gospel, and just like hey God, if you call me, I'm there, I'm done. But the thing I never understood, and that I that 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 I would bring up to missionary after missionary and, and talk to them and say, okay. Yes, you've laid down your life, but you have a wife and kids as well. Well, how do you do that? Why do you do that? How can you just, like, this, that's so hard for me to understand. And this is just stuff that I've been wrestling with. And, and I go to them and I'm like, cause, cause honestly, I know I would have, but now that I have a wife and kids, the cost is a lot higher. And if, if he, if he asked me today, I'd like to think I'd say yes, but, oh, that'd be, that's so much more. And in one of the missionaries that that I talked to, uh, he was in a very similar situation. Uh, two, I think two kids, uh, little kids that he had. And uh, he was a long-term missionary there in Istanbul. And what had happened is he had, he and his wife had gotten married and felt called. And so they went to Istanbul for two years and they knew they were doing a two-year commitment. They knew they were going to be coming back after two years. And uh, and they did that. And both their parents are Christians and they're like, awesome, so happy for you guys. Go kill it. I'm so, I'm so proud of you guys. And then when they came back, they're like, yes, high five. We love it. We're so proud of you guys. This is awesome. They get pregnant. They have kids. And then they start itinerating, raising money to go go back. Except this time, long-term. So keep in mind, two years was short-term. Now it's long-term. The tune changed with his parents. The tune changed where, where, where they said, okay, hold on, hold on. You can't, you can't actually, you aren't, you aren't serious about this, right? Because now you have a wife and now you have kids. And in order to be a good husband, you can't do that. You can't go there. You can't, you can't make that kind of sacrifice. Don't you love us? Don't you love your kids? Don't you love your family? Don't you love the life that we've worked so hard so that you can have here? And his response was mind-blowing. He said, look, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt God has called me. And if God has called me, what else can I do? but say yes. That's the only thing I can do. I must say yes. And so this is, the, this is his response and, 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 and it's crazy to me, but, but this is what it looks like because he loves Jesus so much that if Jesus gives him a word, he goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm going there. And if you're asking me to do it all by myself, I'm there. I'll lay my life down. But if you ask me to do it with my wife and kids, all right, I'm done. I'm doing it. I'm there and in in, in in i love you so much that even if the rest of the world goes you must hate your family to put them through that even if the rest of the world says that he says i will follow i will obey and that is that that's, that's my that that's challenging to me. That's been the, the the statement that has rung most true and difficult, and and that I've wrestled with most since coming back. And and this is this is the idea of surrender. And then Jesus goes on; he doesn't stop with with these challenging things. After that, he says, uh, "If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple." And a lot of times, what we think of as a cross, we think of the uh, the, the the symbol of hope. We think it's 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 a Christian symbol. I'm going to get a tattoo of it. I'm going to wear a necklace. I'm going to all these things. It is. I, I I love it. I'm a Christian. Yet in this in this culture, you got to understand the cross was not a symbol of hope. It was a symbol of death. And that's where people were executed and so the equivalent would be more like uh instead of having a cross necklace having a necklace with a uh, with with a lethal injection syringe on it and instead of having a cross tattoo you have an electric chair on your arm and this is this is what it looks like he's saying pick up your execution method and follow me what is he saying Romans 12:1 explains this he said it, Paul says I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice a living sacrifice what is this they 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 would go and in every day every week they would offer at the temple sacrifices they would take a lamb they would put it up on the altar they would they would slaughter and they would say god that is yours i have sacrificed it to you what what god is saying here is he wants you to climb up yourself and put yourself on the altar and he doesn't want you to literally die if you're going to follow him you literally have to die he's saying i want you to live dead I want you to live dead. And that's that's the heart. That's the motive behind the live dead missionaries that we support. And it, it is it's this idea of I am not my own. I am not my own. It is this would be like. If we're sticking with the, the, the execution idea, it would be like a man on death row. And this man on death row, it is his final day, he has his final meal, he gets he he he's getting ready for the lethal injection, he gets laid down on the bed, he gets strapped down, and uh and they say any last words, he gives his last words, and the executioner comes over and empties the syringe into the trash can. Unties the man, stands him up. Hands it to him. He says, You just died. You are no longer alive. Your life is no longer yours. It's mine. And 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 and, and this is this is this picture of what what Jesus did. He said, I took your punishment. I took your death. And so your life is no longer yours. It's mine. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified on the cross with Christ. So no longer I live. I don't live. I'm on the altar. I am dead. Now Christ lives in me. It's not I who live anymore, but Christ who lives in me. And so no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, your motive is no longer you. And so if I'm in an argument, my goal is not to win. My goal is for God to win. If I am, if I'm going to a grocery store, whatever I'm doing, my goal is not for my end, but for his end. When I'm in conversation with someone, when I'm getting prepared for the, for Christmas celebrations, everything that I'm doing, my motive is not me. My motive is his because I'm dead. I'm not even here anymore. It doesn't even matter what this is. It's, 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 it's a lot like, it's a lot like a Christmas present, Right. You have a Christmas present, you go, you buy it. When I buy a Christmas present, it's technically mine. When I buy a present for someone, it's technically mine, but it's so easy and it's fun to give away because I never saw it as mine in the first place. Right? Now, if someone came up to me and they said, hey, hey, Pastor Drew, can you, I have $25, that would hurt a little bit more to give to them, right? Because by my idea, it was mine. It wasn't theirs. And so if I buy a $25 gift and I give it away that's so easy but if someone asks for me because I have this idea that it's mine and so if if we surrender everything surrender everything is what Jesus he says there is nothing that does not fall under the umbrella of surrender nothing does not fall because everything is his everything is so easy but that's the that that, that that's the dif- the difference between surrender and our next key which is sacrifice so think about it like this you are in the army you're in the military you you uh, are fighting in a battle old school and uh, like like hand to hand combat kind of thing the the enemy is has defeated you and you are one of the few left that that and, and so you drop your weapon your hands are up the white flag is out and you say we surrender have you been sacrificed no. Is your life lost? No. But by all means, it's not in your hands anymore. By all means, it is not up to you what the rest of your life looks like. And that's what this, this surrender is. It's the difference between surrender and sacrifice. Everything must be surrendered. But not everything has to be sacrificed. When you sacrifice... If you've surrendered it, it's easy. And so it truly, if you've surrendered everything, you can sacrifice anything. If you've surrendered everything to him, you can sacrifice anything, anything. And that's, that's the reality is that discipleship, discipleship will cost you. It will, you will have things that you surrender, but you can't surrender with the idea that I'm just going to, I'm going to like hold this with an open hand, but God's never going to, he's never going to take it away. That's never going to happen. Like surrender with the intent and the readiness to sacrifice because there will be sacrifices. There will be a cost. And for some, it'll be higher than others. But the reality is not too far off. Some people take this passage and take it to mean that this is a call to discipleship for those who are called to the mission field. This is a call to discipleship for those who are called to to ministry. This is a call, it's, it's for the extremes. It's for the, the radicals. It's for the spiritually elite. The people who really like do this thing all the way. Right? Not for me. Not for me. I'm just I'm just a church goer. I just do my thing. But if you look at the passage, the very first verse, what does Jesus what, what does it say? Who is he addressing? He turned to the crowds. It doesn't say there are verses where it says, and then he pulled his disciples aside, or then he talked to the Pharisees, or then he talked to this group. No, he's talking to everybody, everybody who's been following him for, for his, his entire ministry and the people who literally just walked up to figure out what the heck was going on with this dude in this massive crowd, right? That he, all of them. That is the discipleship. That is the level of sacrifice that he's asking. And, and he's not saying, will it? He's saying, how much? See, I ask, uh, I, I ask this question and, and, and I want to get the perspective. Of, of so we, we think it's for missionaries and so I want to talk to people who, who are missionaries and we have a uh, set of missionaries in our church Steve and Alicia Lund and they are uh, they're 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 ministering in a unreached people group. Uh, and in, this is a group that does not know, does not have access to the gospel and they are spearheading the way for the gospel over there. And this is incredibly sacrificial. It's incredibly selfless. They, they understand the cost of discipleship. So I ask them, okay, what does this mean? What does this look like? What, what does the cost of discipleship mean to you? And this is what they said. Are Steve and Alicia here? Are you guys here in this service? Okay, I just wanted to check. I wanted to honor you if you were. um, The cost of following Jesus, this is Alicia, is for all Christians everywhere. It's everything you have and you are. Steve says the cost of discipleship for the American Christian is just that. It's a real cost. It It will cost our lives, our security, our savings, our time, our convenience. In fact, surrendering to the cost... Uh, and, and, and I asked, "What did it look like before you left? Surrendering to the cost of discipleship before going overseas, I looked like it looks like using my resources, my time, and money toward loving others. I essentially seek to live the same life overseas. Getting on a plane is easy. Living the surrendered life is hard in any context. Coming from someone who's in a third world country." ministering to a people group that have no clue who Jesus is, he say, it doesn't matter where you're at, it's hard. And this chasm that we've perceived, that we've believed, between the American Christian of every day and the radical the missionaries that go out is, is really shortened and it's changed from being this, this, this huge difference to, you're doing the same thing just in different locations. And yes, there's a greater cost to going but it shouldn't be as extravagant of a difference as, as we think it is. The cost of discipleship is everything, whether you live in Omaha, Nebraska, or you live in Timbuktu. It is everything. And what does it look like? It looks like not being about you, because you're dead. It's not about you. So you're, you're at the store. You aren't going to, the, you don't go grocery shopping anymore. You go out and you give the good news, and you happen to pick up some groceries on the way. You don't go you don't go shopping at the mall anymore. You you are going out and you're evangelizing. You're reaching to the lost, and you happen to leave with some clothes as well. You aren't in conversation. You aren't you aren't in in, in arguments anymore. You are in 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 opportunities to glorify God and to make Him famous. Right? And so this is this is what all of this is. This is constantly looking. I am not living for myself. My sacrifice is so much further beyond me. I'm living for someone else. So how does this look for your finances? If you've surrendered them, are you willing to sacrifice if he calls? Sometimes when we think of calling, we think of this, this divine extravagant thing. I don't want us to think of it that way because sometimes God calls just by the very existence of something. So if there is a need, this, this is what first John three seventeen says. If anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? You don't have to pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? Just tell me. I need you to write something in the clouds. Can you do something? Can can you can you make the right song come up on the radio? Can 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 you open like something radical? No. If there's a need, you have the means meet it what, that's what this looks like. That's why this is so difficult. What about your identity? Sacrificing your surrendering your identity. These are the things I identify with. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son. I am a brother. I am all these things. And I, and I've got to say before I am all those things, not that I'm not, but before I am all those things, I am a child of God. I am first and foremost, a child of God. I am first and foremost, a disciple of Jesus. And so I will follow him no matter where he leads. And that's got to be my heart of surrender surrender these are the little things about saying man i I've, I've, I've followed jesus yet i haven't actually changed anything with my life you got to start sacrificing you got to start living differently what about your pain your hurts your depression the struggles that you're going through is he worth giving those to him Is he worth saying, God, I believe you can turn my trials into triumph and you can bring a purpose to my pain? Yes. See, the the answer isn't difficult. The realizing of it, the living out is is difficult. The answer is simple. Yes. Yes. We know. And, and, and Jesus finishes up here in verses 34 through 35. He says, Salt's good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt isn't good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it's thrown away. And what, he said, what he's saying here, Is He's calling back to something that he said. He said, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. He's saying, you have my life in you. So shine it and flavor everything around. Everything should, you should be everywhere. Okay. And so this, the flavor of salt is referring to the life of Christ in you. And so he's saying that is, that's, that's the life of Christ in regard to outreach. And this is the life of Christ in regard to surrender. And, and there's so many of us who fall into this, this boat of, of flavorless salts. Now, what is that? It's impossible. Flavorless salt is impossible to make. In, in fact, I looked it up. It definitely would have been impossible. You can dilute it. It definitely would have been impossible in, in, in Jesus' day. But even today, you look at, you look at chemistry and, and if you're gonna change, if you're gonna change it so it's not salty anymore, then you're gonna have to chemically change it so it's not salt anymore. To make salt not salty is like to make a rock not rocky and dirt not dirty. It's impossible. You can't do it. And so why is he saying this? Because there's those he's, there's those of you here, and he's saying, you're trying to follow me without any sacrifice. You're trying to say, I'm a follower, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but I don't want to look like him. I don't want to look like the, the sacrifice, the selflessness, the loving of others, the endless grace. that I, I don't actually want to have to do all of that, because that's hard. That's where it gets difficult. And he says, that's impossible. You can't be a follower of me and not look like me. You can't be a disciple without changing, growing every day. Jesus is asking us to follow him, to surrender everything, and to sacrifice willingly. I want to pose the same statement to you guys as, as I did at the beginning. This is what he's saying. The cost of following Jesus is always always worth it. You don't always know, though, until you pay the cost. Until you actually take that step. There are those of you in this room, there's a couple different challenges. There are those of you in this room who uh, were saying, man, I don't know if I've paid this. I don't know if I can. This sounds really, really difficult say, yes, it does sound really difficult, but, but there are some pains, there are some struggles that are a lot easier because of the love behind it. If your motive is love, how much easier is it to go through labor than to pass a kidney stone? Cause you got, you got something that you got, a, you got a purpose. You got something that you're like, this is painful? Yes. This is hard? Yes. Is it the, the the most difficult thing I've ever been through? Yes, it may be, but I love this. And because of the love that I have for this child, I'm willing. I am eager. I do it a hundred times over for this child. That's that's this. If we if we find our roots not in Learning to to love pain, but learning to love Jesus because he is worth it. He's worth everything we can do. And there are those of you in this room who need to make a greater level of surrender and who need to make greater sacrifice. You say there are things in my life that I'm not, I haven't given to God. I haven't put up on the altar and I need to. I'm afraid if he takes it away, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say yes to that. I don't, I don't want him to do that. And there are, other, there are other things, there are other people in this room who go, man, you know what, I know the things that he's asked me to sacrifice, but I haven't surrendered them, I haven't given them to him, and, and, and so I don't want to actually give them up. It's too scary. For those of you, there may be those of you in this room that have a call to missions, that of a call to ministry, that have a call to a radical life following after him, do it. And there are those of you in this room who have a call to a change in heart and a change in motivation. I'm, I'm, I'm not about myself anymore. I'm going to make it about him everywhere I go because I've died. And then I, then I want for, for one last group in this room for those of you jesus this is this is how Jesus does salvation calls okay this is nuts. He says, "You want to come follow me, you need to lay down your life, and if you say, "I see, I may not understand fully how that, that, that he is worth it. I may not understand fully what he's going to ask me to go through, but I am going to give my life I'm going to give him." My life, I'm going to put, I'm going to crawl up on the altar for the first time. And I'm going to, and I'm going to live dead for the first time. And if that's you, I want you to respond to the altar as well. Can everybody stand? And what I'm going to do is if you need to respond to the altar... We'll have altar workers up front. If you need to respond just for just for surrender and for sacrifice, and you just want to have it be you and God, just have it be you and God. Just get down on your knees at the altar. Just But but if you want to respond for salvation, you say, for the first time, I want to climb up on the altar and I want to give my life to him. I want you to find one of our altar workers and they can pray with you. They can lead you through this. They can minister to you through this and, and, and help figure out, okay, what, what are some next steps? So as... is is I pray we're all going to close your eyes and all of us are going to have our heads bowed. and, And if you need to respond for any of these, you come up as I'm